0: Sorry to break your heart, somebody out there has already come up with the same idea that you have. Somebody out there is already working on the same idea that you have. Hello to all the listeners, I welcome you all to the next episode of Entrebind, and I'm your host PJ. And you know, I've been getting quotes from this book called Do a Big Shit written by the author Ankur Varika. The author, Rankur Varika, has taken a very bold move in writing about all his mistakes in success, habits, awareness, entrepreneurship, money, and relationships. It's hard to express your mistakes so that others can learn from it. Maybe his words can act as a tool to rephrase our life. He has definitely made a visual of what a paradoxical situation can look like in any of these. Keep a track of people who has been working on the idea do a lot of research. Be steadfast on what you are good at. Ideas are hardly new nowadays. What's new is solving an unsolved problem in an existing idea. For that you first need to learn what it is that others before you already know that you don't know as yet. Your idea is basically not your startup. Remember, your approach is actually the way you lead your startup into success. And that's what's going to make your startup unique as well. Welcome to the fourth episode of Untrabind. What's new on the table today? Let's start with the story. As you all know, I'm an international student here in Canada. As all international students could feel in their way in the hardships of selecting a country, PR pathway, finding universities, fees, programs, requirements, IELTS, LOR, SOP, everything flashes in front of my eyes. If you leave me, I can get to the bottom of this. But don't worry, not now. We end up in the pages of websites bombarded with a lot of information when we just getting started. We're left confused with an infinite number of questions. This is not healthy and not a smart way. But here's the solution. my MyStudio Education. It enables international students to easily search, browse and apply to any program as well as provide auxiliary services. They provide services from start to end with everything the student need to study abroad, all in one place. In disclaimer, this is not a paid promotion. Today's episode is more focused on marketing strategy and to talk with, I have the co-founder of my studio. Hi Vanith, how are you today?
1: Doing good. How are you?
0: I'm good, and good. thank you. I'm. I'm truly happy, you know, to welcome you to the show today. We have a lot to talk about. So before starting, I want to give the listeners a quick intro about Winnet. Winnet earned his International Bachelor's of Business Administration at Sulich School of Business in 2018. Over a second here, he co-founded My Studio Education you started your idea at an early stage right over your second year of your bachelor studies you know at that time you know people take a lot of time to settle down it's college they have a lot of time to enjoy they're they're gonna party have you know meet up with friends all these things but then you stood over there you started working on your startup and You have to sacrifice a lot at that time. So how does this education at, you know, my studio work? How does your company work?
1: So I actually started it in, well, at at the end of second year. So third year when COVID hit and there was not a lot that I was sacrificing because there was a lot of stuff that was already uh, close. So it was, uh, uh, it was something that, yeah, in COVID, I started working on it. And uh, uh, it was something because uh, Well, school was relatively very easy online. Um, And so, yeah, I started working on it in like third year COVID times. And uh, we, so my studio helps international students migrate overseas for education. Uh, So we have a consumer product and a platform where students can research uh, programs, colleges, destinations, they get matched with the best uh, options for them uh, based on their career preferences and choices. And then, uh, they also have one click admission applications, uh, visa applications. So it's an end-to-end product for students. And, uh, we focus on unbiased advice and, uh, career guidance and data-backed career guidance, which, uh, which is something that was missing in the industry and something that is, uh, it's a massive problem for students where they get a lot of unbiased, oh, sorry, biased advice and motivated advice from agents around them. And, uh, uh, they don't have a good resource in researching everything that they need to know and yeah. understand. And they're very unprepared when they start out on this journey. And so uh, we wanted to solve for that by creating this uh, unbiased approach. And so we're also one of the only platforms that has every college and university uh, and not just our partner institutions on the platform, uh, that, which really makes it easy for them to understand their options and see where they can go and not go.
0: You have partnered with Concordia too, as you said, and what other institutions have you partnered so far?
1: So we're actually partnered with about uh, 50 colleges and universities in Canada and uh, uh, some in U.S. And then we have indirect partnerships with majority of the universities and colleges in uh, this... top destinations.
0: So you get information from the universities and you're connected with the students.
1: So uh, we... Yeah, we kind of act as an extension to the admission teams and marketing teams of universities and colleges by um, uh, providing the right guidance to students and helping them understand all the information that they need to and making that transition smoother. Uh, So we're like kind of the extension to their teams. Um, And what we're trying to do is connect the two in a very seamless way using our platform and uh, making making it very transparent and very simple for students and colleges to onboard new students and uh, for students to actually find the best options for them
0: so what led you to the creation of this you know company what inspired you 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 should have something that you have really felt it in so you should create something so what was it
1: so uh, i actually grew up in this industry so my dad actually has an agency in the market and I hated the business like I did not like it and uh, I saw a huge opportunity there on making it better so I've seen thousands of students go through this process I know how all of this process worked um, how advising worked but our like uh, our concept of an agency was always that unbiased guidance and which is what our brand image was like the family business and so uh, we wanted to leverage that to actually make it like data-backed and unbiased advice and how do we do that and kind of we also saw an opportunity on how uh, students and families were moving towards more and more being independent in their decision making more and more uh, relying on like other like a lot of different resources and so there was a very big kind of disruptive opportunity there and so we uh, started working on it
0: so it's truly you know amazing to find something in an unfamiliar country even you did your high school here but you know Finding something in an unfamiliar environment is is literally hard. So how did you overcome all these doubts about you, especially your bachelor's? How was it about?
1: Um, I think everyone has an imposter syndrome when they start out something new, right? Like they were trying to maybe trying to fit in or maybe they're trying to like adapt to a new culture or maybe they're trying to start something new um, that they've never done before. And so it's very... uh, normal, I think, uh, I had, for me, it was massive support from the environment around me. Right. So, uh, uh, it could, like, especially my family, uh, my dad, so I work with my dad on this company as well. Um, he's a COO, I'm the CEO. And, uh, so there's a lot of support, uh, from that side as well. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's just, uh, to be honest, for me, it was out of having nothing to do that. I wanted that I started out creating this and, uh, it was really awesome. Like I never liked studying as much anyway. Uh, yeah. I was good at it, but I never liked it as much. Um, and so, yeah. And so I started working on my company and then I went part-time on my education and, uh, it was, yeah, it was mainly of overcoming the, uh, uh the side that, uh, like fear of failure basically. So if, if you're trying out something, it's very okay to fail and I'm I mean I'm very young right so for me I have a lot of at bats like I have a lot of tries that I can have and so this is just one of the things that I caught on to and I think I just didn't let go of it so usually what happens is you 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 let it go like whatever you start it, it sometimes the 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 diff, most difficult part is keeping up with it consistently and I've been doing it for four years now so uh, it's been, you just got to keep at it. Like I got so much, it's a very steep learning curve, but once you're at it, you got to keep going. That's it.
0: How did you form your first team? Like your co-founder or like people who wants to work with you. How was the experience forming a basic team? Uh,
1: So uh, like, I mean, for us, like I said, like I had a family business and so in the same industry. And so we had uh, good team team members. And so we, it was more for, for my side, for my challenge. Like I think, every company has a different story and for us it was more of uh how so for when i joined in my main role was change management so moving from like a traditional mindset of service industry business that grows maybe like say uh 10 a year over year 15 maybe to actually growing like 100 and 200 a year over year and so that mindset is very different and so my starting of of, of this company was actually change management bringing on team members from the other company and hiring new people that were uh focused on a different vision so it was always uh how do you kind of guide a ship basically on every moving part it has to be focused on this one different thing uh okay. sorry one same thing um and so creating that vision uh the mission of the company and then actually uh orienting a lot of different teams in that same direction and, uh, being confident in what you're actually saying to these, uh, people that are, are a lot older than me, like, right? like twice as old yeah. or three times as old and, uh, well not three times, but, uh, um, but it's, yeah, it's very, um, different. So yeah, my, my first start was actually just ha- onboarding an existing team to create something a lot, uh, a lot different than what they were actually hired for. Uh, which is a very big shift in the mindset that you have to kind of introduce in the, in the team. And uh, so, yeah, so that was kind of how we started on.
0: So the leadership is important when you start being a CEO. How did you grow this leadership? Like, have you learned it from someone or how tough it is as well as how challenging it is?
1: So I think it's a mix of learned and natural for me. So because I grew up in a... Family of entrepreneurs. So I had uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom had a cafe and a bakery that she started out, uh, and uh, my granddad like he was also an entrepreneur. He always do, did his own things, and so it was part of how I grew up was being like uh, being in that mindset. I think, um, and like I think leadership usually comes in when, like for me especially, it was more of I, I've been always been good at strategy and, uh, understanding like how we can pivot and creativity and, um, how do, how do you go to market? How do you kind of, uh, create something innovative? And so because of that specialty, I kind of had a much broader vision than most of the team, which is why I could lead a team in a particular direction, right? Like that, that level of like understanding on the bigger picture is very important. And so once you understand that, how do you actually implement it and put it into motion and actually execute on that, on that big picture, uh, and then lead the team. So it's, uh, it was a bit intuitive in terms of, because I saw the picture, I had to kind of understand how to guide it through. And the second part is, um, being, uh, understanding of different people and how they understand stuff. So it's a lot of it's a lot of psychology. I think if, if, uh, if I was not studying business, I would definitely have part of like psychology, uh, as my studying, like a degree, uh, but it is a lot of like understanding the people, uh, empathy and understanding where they're coming from and how do you kind of explain it in their own way. And everyone has a different way of understanding stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it's a steep learning curve. It's a very steep learning curve. Like when I started out, I was, uh, focused on some other stuff. Um, I always wanted to do more and take on more stuff, so I was always going deep uh, into stuff. And when you're leading a company, it's it's kind of you have to manage the big picture plus also go into deep stuff. So when I went into it deep, then I kind of understood how complicated the the person's role is that I'm managing, right? Like how how what like what their role is, what they're looking after. So then you kind of gain a more. Uh, compassion and understanding that okay like I really need to understand what their angle is what their side of the story is and how I can make it better for them right Uh, yeah so there was a lot of moving factors on how I I understood leadership in the early stages and how it kind of evolved into Mm -hmm. the style that I have right now Um, but it is not much different than the person I am right now it's just more of uh, understanding the differences and and keep making sure that because I'm the only person that sees the complete picture, I have to constantly communicate that with the team and drive them to that same uh, direction.
0: I, I think the point you have said is you you have to look deeper into a person's role in order to understand it better. Every leader should you know look through each and every person's role, you know, not to overburden them, give them the proper responsibility that they have to do. I think that's more necessary. And handling all these stuffs when you have when you have hired people who are like twice as your age trying making them to understand what you exactly want is again different because your generation is different from there the technology has changed and it's changing so how hard and did you get frustrated at times
1: so hiring is important and i think it's where uh, you spend a lot of time finding the right person we've we, we spend a lot of time finding the best people and onboarding them uh because like you said like the cultural fit the understanding of how innovative we have to be and how creative we have to be in our process how how rigid they are versus how fluid they are and then the actual onboarding when they actually join us the first two weeks of how do we orient them to the company that is very important so we do focus a lot on that which reduces the problems that we have later on um the other thing is making like tough decisions of firing people is very crucial, usually. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not an easy decision, but it's usually, it, it comes down to what I've learned over, over the last couple of years is it comes down to culture. So if the person doesn't fit right in the culture, if the values are not aligned, that's when you make those decisions. Um, conflicts, I've had, uh, I've had some conflicts. But usually what happens is uh, you go back to the values, you go back to the vision, you go back to the mission and understand who's more correct there, who's who's more aligned there. Um, based on the vision, there's certain metrics that we tra- tra- uh, track, right? And so for those metrics, like are we pushing those? Like it, it usually depends on the decisions that I would fight for and versus something that I wouldn't fight for. Usually, I don't go into a lot of, I let the person do their jobs unless it is going against the values of the company or it's like going against the vision of the company and they're going in a different direction. That's when I step in and kind of change it. But then that usually I let them do what they're doing. Uh, That's usually like, because they have their own metrics that they're tracking they're uh, responsible enough because if they don't meet those, then obviously then I'll have to, uh, then I, we talk and they know that that's coming as well. So it's a, yeah, it's a balance.
0: And uh how how has been your experience so far into entrepreneurship? Like, is it comfortable, challenging, or it's thrilling? You know, you know, you know, you have to solve problem every single day. There comes something. You sleep for a day, when you wake up again, it's a huge problem. So, how is your journey?
1: It's exciting. It's always uh, something different, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot more downs than ups usually, but uh, because what happens is you're always looking at the problems and not looking at the achievements a lot more than you should. Um, like, and then, so we started introducing like monthly, obviously we've had like monthly rewards and like all of that stuff, celebrating like wins and stuff, but like entrepreneurship itself is very, uh, because you're always looking at problems, you kind of tend to lose the big picture side, but at the same time, like it's very exciting. Um, you don't get paid a lot. <laughs> you don't take a lot of money. Usually, founders <laughs> usually don't take like it's a myth. But usually, like founders don't take as much salary unless they're like VC backed or they're like they have external financing and they're taking on a lot of salary and stuff. Um, for a company that is investing a lot in growth and that is uh, bootstrapped, so using our own finances and we're putting a lot back into growth, um, I don't take like big money. So it's not the money that motivates me. Um, it's usually the Areas that I look at, um, like, for example, like me building a product is very exciting for me, right? Like building a really good consumer product that students love is something like it, it's super interesting. Um, and there's a very steep learning curve, like I said, so that like the learnings that I get compared to um, the people like all my friends that I know and what they're working on and stuff. The learnings I get are like 10x, right, which is an incredible uh, experience. Um and the, the people that I talk to are also very different now, right? Like the people that I talk to are senior level that are uh, at like manage, like they're either investors, they're either um, they're the recruitment managers at colleges, universities. Maybe they're like the people that I hire, which is like uh, directors of marketing or, or sales or stuff, right? So the level of people that I talk to is also very different. So it's really cool to see how like varied all these uh, experiences are in people and they come together and I'm operating at that level, which is very fun to be honest. Uh, um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a journey. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of up and downs there's, there's no straight uh, path. And uh, uh, but uh, like I've learned to un- recognize and celebrate the wins because I didn't used to do that before. Uh, that makes it more uh, fun and makes it more exciting to keep going. Sometimes you're just like everything's falling apart. A lot of times you're like everything's falling apart. Uh, but when you look at the big picture, maybe you're like, oh, maybe maybe everything's fine, you know? Like because all the metrics are pointing up, but like still like it's not falling apart. So it's all it's, uh, you gotta. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a journey for sure.
0: <laughs> you know, when you whatever you start, let it be studying or something, there is a point where you get deviated from your exact vision and your goal. We start thinking about, okay, let's do this, let's do that. Even when you start a company, you feel like, okay, this this idea is good. So let's start working on this. But when you are on the idea, you feel like we can add this point, we can add this point. It kind of deviates you from your exact vision and your goal that you have to achieve in a very small time. So what's your advice on not getting deviated, like staying in concentration?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. So uh, we did that a lot. Uh, to be honest, in the early years, is is going from one place to the other It decreases our speed a lot. It um, it it makes us work on stuff that is not relevant, not important, and we waste a lot of money and time doing that. Uh, it was a it was a painful process on bringing everyone back to actually just focusing on this one thing. It's 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 a practiced thing as well. It doesn't come often. Like it's very easy to get distracted. I think uh, the way that we do it is obviously uh, the going back to vision and the mission, but also understanding the problem. Like we always go back to the problem and the story, like, what is the exact problem? How do you address that problem and not the solution? So we don't focus on, okay, like what is the, we don't focus on the right solution or this is the best solution. We rather to focus on, okay, the problem side, and then how exactly do we address it? What are the very key elements that we need to create? And then we also adopted a lot more feedback approach, right? So um, once we create some solution to the problem, we create a very basic thing. We put it out to the students, we put it out to cons- customers, get feedback and then build up to on top of that. Even in that feedback, like there's a lot of stuff that we get, which is not relevant to our vision. And so we don't take it on at this point. And then we we put it on to a later point with, if that comes along. Uh, but it requires a lot of, um, being very strict on the vision that we have to building the company because, like no, like it's always scarce resources. There's never, there's no, I, like I mean, at least in my journey, there's always been um, limited. Like, you can only take on limited challenges and tasks at a certain given point, point. and so it's very important to understand, um, understand the vision and what's the most important and the most impactful thing that you're doing. And focusing on that most impactful thing and making that better uh because that gives you the leverage to actually do other side projects that you want to do maybe later on uh, so yeah i think that's uh, and what helps and i i think e- even then we're still doing a lot of different things um that are that could be not relevant but these are opportunities that we're scoping out for the future that we're seeing okay like maybe if we continue with this for now limited spend then that could become a really big thing and so we do some stuff that is around uh, because as a as a company you shouldn't stop innovation right like you shouldn't stop like a lot of different paths that you could go on uh, because that could be a potential business like like similar to like iPhone right like iPhone was never yeah. a primary business for Apple but it became this night like, like their top revenue for AWS for example like for Amazon all, all of this so it like it's um yeah, but usually you would you would not lose focus on the most impactful thing that you're doing. Um, but at the same time, if there's some side project that you maybe have limited stuff because, uh, like, if you've noticed in my answers, I always jump around, and this is how, that's just how my mind works. Like I always keep jumping around in different things, uh, which really helps us as a CEO because I yeah. can have a lot of context switching. Uh, so it's usually it's also part of the nature of how the company is like it, a lot of companies promote innovation and side projects and doing a lot of different things, which works really well until it's, until it sacrifices the main goal. So I think, I think like until it doesn't impact the actual, the, the um, what do you call it? Uh, yeah. The actual, like the path that you're following until it doesn't deviate you from the big picture, then all of the other stuff is fine. I think.
0: Yeah. So there are a lot of tech companies that that's helping students recently I've been to a startupist and I've, I've listened to the same idea of helping students but what makes you unique what is your you know unique value proposition
1: so uh, most of the companies have focused on uh, say like so it's uh, again, so uh, some there are some companies that focus on finances for example like education loans and getting um, getting the student credit history in the other country and stuff, which is really cool. Uh, Some some companies focus on college platforms, Mm -hmm. which is like university fairs, and they focus on finances as well. They focus on like mentor matching. So they have like mentor communities and they match the students with the mentors and stuff. Uh, So there's a lot of different like innovative stuff happening in the industry, which is uh, really cool. It's nice to see it play out. Uh, What we're doing is focusing on career development infrastructure kind of thing where we have data back career guidance, right. But also, um, counseling. So we're really focused on getting the best counseling to them and, uh, creating basically uh, standardizing high quality counseling for students, uh, with very good, like data back, uh, 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 evidence, right. So for example, like a student wants to become a lawyer right now, what country should they choose? for the best ROI and best, best um, results based on their personal preferences, based on their background, based on their finances, and based on their uh, future goals, right? So based on that, where should they go? And how do you compare each of those career paths? And and lawyer is like a very specific profession that requires a lot of exams in a specific country and stuff. How easy is that? How, what is the timeline on that? There's so many different factors. And so we want to create the best possible counseling option like counseling for students um and that's something i don't think anyone's focusing on and something that we're doing really really uh uh, well at so uh yeah what we're trying to do is build the best consumer product with data back like counseling and elite counseling
0: so so I have read in a survey that oh, that has been conducted in over a thousand startup, it was found that 56.9% of startup has dedicated a complete marketing team and 208 at least has one person dedicated to the marketing. And about 153 they have the founder as the sole marketer and 48 as an outside agency and 22 rely on the freelancers. So a unique value proposition opens the company a new market. As for marketing, more than like thousands of, you know, millions of companies follow go-to-market strategy. That that starts from Tesla as well. So GDM is basically a strategy that helps you enter a market. It's going to connect the product with the consumer. It's going to find a way to connect them. So what do you think, how GDM is more relevant to any startup? Can you just say about it?
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's the most important thing. So because uh, like I, I, it's usually how you listen to like tech products and how oh like if you build the best products, it's gonna sell itself and stuff. Like that's not true. Like it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. You need distribution. You need like um, go to market strategy. But that is very strong on how you'll acquire customers. This is usually just around how do you like how's your customer acquisition gonna work, right? What channels you're using, um, which usually what happens is for for companies there's only one channel that drives majority of their uh, acquisition Uh, maybe there's a backup like a secondary channel but usually it's like one so um, right for us we're focusing on seo and content and virality so these are like seo and content is one and the virality is the second one but right now majority of our uh, clients like 70 percent of our clients are referral based so that is also our like referral base is some word of mouth is one of the biggest uh, acquisition source for us right now. Uh, we're also having um we have multiple different acquisition strategies, which is like uh, partnerships with local colleges, universities. There's uh, niche market like presence with like physical presence as well as uh, like uh, having councils across cities and stuff. So uh, like go to market strategy for every industry, every business is different. And understanding the customer and how they process information, how they find out about a specific business in, in the for the problem that they're trying to solve is very important, right? Um, but yeah, go to market strategy can be very varied. Like it can be from it can be it can be very hacky as well. Like a lot of startups when they start out, they use like Craigslist and stuff to find customers, right? Like they they individually message people to get onboarded onto their platform. Where they like, okay, like we'll get you better access to something or better reach to something. It could be very hacky. Uh, they could be messaging like Amazon sellers on Amazon to get them onto their product or something. Like it, it is. Uh, so I think it also evolves obviously with the stages because, like, say for example, like SEO and content that takes a long time to actually mm-hmm. deliver results. So in that time, you're probably dependent on some other sources. But then once it starts working, that could be your main source of acquisition and stuff. So
0: what is your main marketing strategy? Like, I think it, companies can get, you know, inspiration from you. They can apply all these things over there startup to. So what's your market strategy?
1: Yeah. For us, the marketing strategy is right now, uh, referrals, right? So, uh, we have very strong Google reviews and we have very strong, like reviews online. Uh, so, uh, referrals, and we are doing, adding a lot of different features for increasing those, um, and then online marketing has been, I mean, the performance marketing so Facebook and Google ads that is working really well for us. Uh, it's, it's relatively a very uh, cheap strategy and a very effective strategy for us uh, in terms of like our marketing team is just me and like two other people that are marketing executive, like a graphic designer and stuff. Even like I had a content writer that we don't have right now. So we're hiring for a content writer and stuff. So um, yeah, we, we, um, yeah, just, right now it's performance marketing and uh, referrals. What we're also doing is we're partnering with a lot of local colleges and universities. So we're hosting events and seminars in person uh, at these universities. This is a long term strategy. So we expect that to convert in the next like a year, right? Because these are like students that are still at colleges and universities. Yeah. So we're investing a bit in that as well. Um, in India, a lot of uh, physical, like in in-person marketing also works really well, like radio works really well, newspaper works really well as well, but we haven't implemented that just yet um, because we're well, um, waiting on uh, another crucial hire to be figured out and then uh, waiting on kind of uh, allocating a bit more budget on marketing when we have a very comprehensive strategy on that. But like our acquisition strategies have been working really well with just referrals, Because, like I said, like 70% of it is just referrals. And so we don't spend a lot more, a lot on marketing as other companies would have to.
0: So we talked a lot about marketing. How important do you think is it to have a good sales or a marketing team? So is there any strategy you have to hire them?
1: So it, again, it really depends on the type of business and the industry they're in. Uh, all all businesses have it. So usually, what happens is when. If it's like a B two B business or SaaS businesses, founders are usually the salespeople, and that's who, like founders, usually get the clients. Uh, once you have a playbook kind of figured out, then you start kind of hiring new salespeople under, and onboarding. Like it, it's a, it depends on like the revenues you're hitting, the metrics you're hitting, and at what point you start growing and expanding your uh, teams to onboard sales. Uh, for us, like in, edu- in ed tech, a lot of because we're B two C. Um, we have a lot more focus on sales and marketing because it it really matters on the brand that you have in the market. It really matters on how much awareness the students have and actually onboarding students onto the platform and app, especially in a market like India where a lot of a lot of stuff all happens like in person and uh, like majority of the markets they they don't they never believed in online until three years ago. And so that massive shift really helps us a lot, but at the same time, like sales and marketing are crucial to get your product out into the industry. But uh, there's also a lot of low cost ways on having marketing and sales without actually um, hiring people and hiring a team in the early stages. So when you're talking about early stages, um, for example, like marketing funnels that are very uh, like, they're very effective, with on like, with like. Facebook ads and Instagram ads, uh, having, setting up like a webinar, for example, and having like weekly or bi-weekly webinars and uh, collecting leads for those webinars and stuff. So that really works well. Um, there's usually like, if you have video marketing and if you have a good brand on social media, you can use like Canva or like a lot of, there's a lot of good like marketing and sales stack, like tech stack basically. Uh, like no code, no code, uh, platforms are really good just for just very easily setting up websites. And so there's a lot of low cost ways on setting up marketing and sales funnels and onboarding clients onto the platforms without actually onboarding a real team. Uh, for us, it really mattered because our, our businesses in a way that it's, it's a very, um, um I think there's a word for a technical word for it. I forget it's taught in business schools, but uh, it's like high involvement. Oh, it's high involvement, right? It's like So the purchasing decisions are very high involvement for our students because they're making decisions for their careers and for their life. And so for high involvement businesses, uh, we have to have a for us, especially we have to have a sales team that actually um that helps them understand what they're getting into. If they are making the right decision, should they work with us or not? Are, are we capable enough to help them get through this, right? So so that when they're making a decision to work with us, they're very, very confident that we are going to help them solve that. And so confidence plays a very big part in B2C. Uh, B2B, is usually like you you want to get like deals done, right? So deals, usually it's the founders in early stages that can get those clients and get those deals and create those client pipelines. Uh, yeah. So it usually just depends on the type of industry and the business that you're in.
0: So can you tell us about like five biggest mistakes that you did during, you know, the starting or early stage of your startup? And could you give us a solution for that? too?
1: I think, <laughs> I don't know, there's solutions to it. But uh, sometimes I've leaked information that shouldn't be leaked to the team before, <laughs> before actually making decisions on it. Uh, it is it was just Naivety, I guess. I don't know. Or I think, I mean, I usually focus on a lot of transparency and stuff and um, I usually say stuff out loud. <laughs> uh, so I've done that uh, sometimes. Um, I have, uh, yeah, I've like one of the things that I was not good at was actually executing on stuff and which was basically because in, in university, you're not taught ex- execution. You're only taught theory. And so, I've had all the theory say mapped out on like a paper, but the execution side is something that I lacked on a lot, um, and that's something that I have to work on a lot over the couple of years, and which is just putting it into action. Like how do you so because like like strategy is maybe ten percent or twenty percent of your thing, like your role. Eighty percent is just execution, right? So you how do you keep going at it? How do you keep pushing and pushing things through? And and measuring those results. So I I was also bad at like actually tracking the results month over month and year over year. Like I put it into action, then I switched on to like a different thing and then a different thing, but, and then I forgot about the other thing that I put into motion a couple of months back and I have no clue what happened with that. And I come back to it and they're like, Oh, we did this. We got stuck here and then we never did anything about it. And so I had to go back to that. So I wasted like a couple of months in that with no results even though I put in so much effort and kind of put it into motion, so tracking stuff very important, um, and yeah, actually executing on stuff is very important, and uh, realizing um, <laughs> realizing what is confidential, what's not, I guess. <laughs> so that's three things. I don't know about two other.
0: What's What's your most valuable advice for you know startups that are starting to enter into an ed tech company?
1: Into an tech company, um. Understand your audience. a uh, tech is is deceivingly very. Uh, it looks like you are solving a problem, but uh, for a tech is very difficult to understand exactly if you're solving a very crucial problem. That crucial problem, it's very difficult to get to that exactly what the problem is and solving for it. And a lot of times, because in that tech, uh, it's 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 in. You're transforming an old industry into something that is new, so that requires a lot of behavior change and awareness into the consumers and um, the businesses that you're working with, because these are legacy industries and legacy businesses, and like like customers are used to a certain way of doing things. It's very very important to understand the customer and the 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 problem that you're solving that would make them switch. The the is it big enough that would make them make the consumer or the business that you're kind of pitching to would they switch over to your solution because how big that problem is, that is, it's, it it can be deceiving in that tech because, uh, people are used to a lot of ways that are like a lot of their old ways and, um, they have certain problems, but they might not be big enough for them to switch over. So that's uh, like focus on the consumer and find out what the crucial problem is that would make them switch.
0: So my final question will be, what's your view on passion and failure?
1: Um, Passion is overrated. (laughs) Uh, I think it's, it's the, it's the motivator when you start out, but it is not something that will keep you going a lot longer. Um, Like it's it's deceiving because fashion is something that you can't rely on for a very long time. It, It goes up and down, right? Like, Uh, as you as you grow and like say for 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 example like in the four years I don't think you would have the uh the passion at the same level that would keep you going so do not rely on passion for you to actually be successful at something it's more of uh consistency and the love of what you're actually doing rather than um the passion for doing something in the future or something some impact like it's very important to keep in mind why you started it in the first place because you would always go back to it, and that would always motivate you. Uh, but it's it's deceiving because it's not the thing that will keep you going. What's uh, maybe fl- failure? It's uh it's necessary. It's important. It's necessary. It's, it's gonna happen. You just gotta face it. Uh, there's a lot of no's, and especially you know, as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of no's that you get. A lot of um closed doors. Uh, but you just got to keep knocking them down. So um, failure is just part of life, I think. And you just got to, it, it just, you just got to keep moving past it. You got to find the things that make you move past it as well. Like, uh, and that comes from belief in what you're doing yourself. Like if you believe in what you're doing is very, very important, um, especially when it solves a very big problem for someone, when you believe in that, um. It, Every no, it kind of sometimes make you makes you uh believe in it more because, and I think that's that's very um uh common in entrepreneurs is that they they don't like the no's is they they, if they are said no, they keep doing that a lot more of that, and so uh, yeah, like keep that trait like don't lose it. You gotta keep moving.
0: Thank you so much for the day. It's like a lot of things to learn on from hiring, marketing, and then, you know, not getting frustrated, handling things, leadership. There's a lot we have learned today with you. Being a young entrepreneur, we feel like, you know, people who are not yet started should think about what you have done and should start from the place where they are. And it's okay to start at any point in time. I should. I, I think they should think about it. And is there any hiring going on right now that you want to share with the listeners so they can apply for the post too?
1: Yeah, uh, we're hiring for a lot of positions there in India, uh, remote, but still in India right now. Uh, but we're hiring for a content writer and strategist. We're hiring for uh, sales teams. We're hiring for a marketing manager uh, that has some experience in uh, consumer products and stuff. Uh, we're hiring for devs as well. Uh, that's always uh, like, so yeah, we're hiring for junior devs and senior devs. Uh, in like Angular and uh, um, .NET and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's that's what we're doing right now.
0: Okay. So they, can, hope they you, can they
1: can message me on LinkedIn. Uh, sure. Beneath Shah, and uh, yeah, they can find me. There.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the day. The take-home message is get ready for closed doors in entrepreneurship. How many times have you lamented a loss, personal or professional, and felt unable to move past it? In the business world, the concept of paralysis by analysis referred to overanalyzing something to a point that you can't move forward. You know, people get stuck gazing at this unchangeable thing and turn what should be no more than a backward glance into a backward trance. And they miss the open doors just over their shoulders. Disappointment fuels the fire. There are two ways people handle disappointment in their life. They can either let it drown them or become a stronger version of themselves. I see disappointment as a driving force to help me achieve my goal. One way entrepreneurs can harness disappointment is to understand what they learned from these disappointments and what their plans are moving forward. Doors will open as other doors close. As I went down my path to perceive my passion, I had to close doors and be okay with doors being closing on me and wait for it amazing doors to open if an opportunity isn't working out and there's a lot of friction it may be time to close that door and see what else transpires for you many people are not willing to close doors because open doors make them feel comfortable with where they are however in reality it's hurting them to stay stagnant with an opportunity that won't work out It's like you're being pulled back with a rope if you don't set boundaries to take action to close unprotective doors. If this is the case for you, start by stepping back and look for new opportunities, connections with other entrepreneurs. Thank you all for supporting me in the past three episodes and soon Entrobind is going to be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Don't worry if you missed out the previous episodes. Catch you up, guys, in the next episode. You're listening to Entrepreneur and I'm your host, PJ.